Demio says, Steph, Steph. I began reading Everyday Anarchy. It's a great book so far. In a free society, excuse me, in a free society, how does one prevent business owners from importing people from third world countries to undercut local labor? This happens frequently where I work with places like McDonald's importing Filipinos who will work much harder to local people because they have families to support at home. Now, that's a good question. And uh, if you saw my documentary on Hong Kong, well, I guess as you say, if you were allowed to see my documentary on Hong Kong, then you would have seen that we had the same issue. The Filipino people would be imported into Hong Kong to take care of people's uh, babies. And when they took care of people's babies, I guess the higher IQ people could work, lower IQ people took care of the kids and so on. So yeah, it happens in the UK with Eastern Europeans too, right? Right. I don't, well, first of all, answer is, of course, I don't know, right? Because anybody who knows exactly how a free society works would, it, you know, if, if you knew so much about how, how a society was going to work um, 50 or 100 or 200 years into the future, then you would just make a fortune running things. Um, uh, you'd make a fortune off, off Apple stock or, or, or Bitcoin or something like that. So the, 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 I don't know any more than saying, um, and, and people have this thing where they say, if I know how things work in a future free society, then I can get behind it. But the future free society is a moral argument. It's a moral argument. And as a moral argument, it should at some point, I'm not saying this is where you are, but I would sort of make the case that at some point it should become highly offensive to get these questions. And, and I'll tell you why. I don't mean to be harsh on you because I understand where you're coming from. And I wrote a bunch of books answering this stuff. But what happens is, if you said, well, slavery, okay, I kind of get your moral arguments for ending slavery, but you have to tell me, okay, tell me exactly how fruits and vegetables and cotton are going to be picked 100 years from now. And of course, there's no answer to that question. You can't answer that question. No, nobody can, because if you knew exactly what the economy was going to be in 100 years, there'd be no free will, everything would be determinism, and you would end up owning the planet. You'd be like Biff in the, um, uh, what is it, the second Back to the Future, where he's got this book of betting, and, and he can just go and bet on anything and everything and all of that. So so anyway, that's sort of the, sh the short answer is, I don't know, it doesn't matter. And... If people ask you for omniscience regarding the future, then what they're doing is they're avoiding the moral reality of needing to focus on the ethical arguments. So now that having been said, I don't mind theorizing a little bit. That's, that's totally fine. So what I would say is that by the time we get to a free society, two things will have happened. Two things will have happened. Well, I mean, other than peaceful parenting and UPB and a general expansion of philosophy and so on, but two things will have happened. Number one is that technology will advance, will have advanced to the point where bringing in laborers who are low-skilled laborers, let's just say, it could be high IQ, but low-skilled, bringing in low-skilled laborers from another country would be crazy, right? Uh, it, it would be, it would be pointless. It would be, it would like. Um, so after you have, you know, combine harvesters, it would be like importing people from some other place 
to do what combine harvesters are already doing, right? Or, or you know, there are there are robots that can cook burgers. There are robots that can pick grapes and and strawberries and raspberries. That there are um, robots that can do just about anything, and that's just now. And it's estimated that like forty percent of jobs are gone in the next couple of decades, just because robots are getting so good. So, if there is a, a low skilled labor, as there always will be, then a couple of things will happen. So if you want to bring someone into a geographical location, right? We'll call it uh, Freedomania, right? You want to bring people into Freedomania. Well, first of all, someone's going to have to sell you property. I assume most of the property, if not all the property, would be owned or staked or whatever it is. So someone's going to have to sell you property. And so what I would want to see is, and this used to be the case when it came to immigration, it used to be that if you sponsored someone and they committed a crime, that you would be fined or I don't know if you ever went to jail or something like that. But that's kind of what I'd like to see. Because if somebody brings a family in and then the head of that family commits a crime or something like that, then the person who brought them in would be uh, liable. Uh, and and that would make people very careful about who they uh, bring in. Uh, and I think that would be the case. And so I don't really think there'd be much demand for low-skilled labor in the future. That's one of the things I said, would there be robots? Number two would be this unbelievably ridiculous, pathetic, abusive, horrible, disgusting idea that motherhood can be farmed out to low-rent, low-paid, often low-IQ people, well, I mean, this this denigration of motherhood, this denigration of parenthood as a whole that says, oh, parenthood is so low-skilled that people who barely speak English and have an IQ of 80 can totally replace the parents, right? I mean, it's really sad. So, yeah, I would say that once people say you can't replace parenting with nannies, and once robots have taken over the demand for low-skilled labor, then there won't be any particular point. And also, if people who bring other people in are then liable uh, for any particular crimes. Remember, there's no welfare state, right? So if someone can't make it, like a third of people who moved to America just moved back because they couldn't make it. So without a welfare state, if you can't make it in the country, if, if you don't have enough skills... You know, let's say somebody with an IQ of 80 moves to Freedomania or whatever, some Freedom Land or whatever. What what are they going to do? I mean, what are they? I mean, you can't even with an IQ of 80, you can't even find use for these people in the army when army has two basic rules, right? I mean, if it moves, move it, and if it doesn't move, paint it, and uh, if it fires back, uh, kill it, right? So, well, actually, not these days anymore. So. Yeah, you put these things together. You wouldn't bring them in for nannies because it would be well understood you can't replace uh, a mom with a nanny. I mean, you can, but it's it's absolutely terrible. I mean, if, if you go and you order, um, if you go and order a, I don't know, a $60 porterhouse steak at some high-end restaurant and then the plate comes with a Big Mac on it, what are you going to do? Say, well, you know, it's meat. It's about the same. It's totally fine. You wouldn't do that at all, right? I mean, you would recognize that this had been absolutely terrible uh, an absolutely terrible and low-rent substitute. The same thing would be somebody says, oh, I got a nanny to raise my children 
I mean, this would have as much respect down the road as a guy saying, uh, I, I hired a pool boy to satisfy my wife in bed. I mean, it would just be like, ew, gross. What are you doing? What are you thinking, right? So... Let's see here. Uh, have you looked into using Jitsi instead of Skype or similar programs? I haven't. Um, I, I have a sort of recording setup that's set up for Skype. So that's kind of what I use. But um, if, if it's an odd little technical quirk. Trying to get a program that can dual channel record in WAV format, system audio and microphone audio in two separate tracks trying to get some, like just a little program that can do that. It seems, I over the years I've looked here and there, just can't find them. So if you know one, please, please let me know. All right, let's see here. Uh, waiting out the upcoming crazy in Florida slash Texas versus staying in Canada. Could you list the pros and cons and also any questions we should be asking ourselves? Are we just moving around chairs on the Titanic family of five, three small kids? So look, there's there's lots of, of places that do sort of prepping work and all of that. You probably don't want to be in a big city. You probably want to have a bunch of food in the basement and you probably want to have some marketable skills, some kind of community and so on. Uh, but as far as where exactly you go, I don't know. I don't know if the country matters as much as where you are. You want to be at least uh, an hour away from a city, if you can, right? A sort of central city, so... Uh, if you can get away from a city, you know, if, if gasoline runs out, people can only walk so far, right? So uh, that will probably be something. If if anything bad happens, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, to me, it's, you know, maybe it's my good old Boy Scout training or something like that. But what happened to me, uh, it's a constant mantra in, in my head, right? Which is, it is infinitely better to have it but not need it, but need it, than need it but not have it. Right? It's so much better to have it but not need it than need it but not have it. And I'll give you a tiny example of that. So when I was um, working up north after high school, gold panning and prospecting, uh, we had a camp dock that just kind of came and, and we'd feed it and, and play with it and all that. And then uh, one night, the dog is just barking, 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 barking. And we had a shotgun there, right? Because... You never know what crazy person or, or animal is going to come across, particularly bears, of course. It could also be uh, the wolves or, or it could be uh, uh, other things that, that are dangerous. The dog is barking, barking, barking all night. Have you ever had this thing where you're like, you're kind of half asleep, but at the same time, you're not sure if you're dreaming. And it's like you have these dreams that are shot through with things that are kind of, you're like a dolphin, you know, like up and down with consciousness and unconsciousness. And this dog was just barking, barking. It was weaving in and out of my dreams. And then eventually you hear, so the dog was like, oh, 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 and then, oh, 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 oh. and um, we heard a, a terrific growl. And of course it was, the dog had been barking at a bear and then the bear had, well, what it had actually done, I assume it is it had, it had uh, there were no bite marks, but the dog, when we went out with our flashlights, we found the dog lying unable to move its hind legs and there was blood uh, on its back and it wasn't a bite mark or anything i think that the the bear had basically crushed it had crushed the dog's spine and um with, with either front or back legs or whatever it was and so yeah we we had a we had a shotgun and we 
we shone around and, you know, your heart is just pounding in your chest like uh, some sort of uh, rushed drum solo. And that was the only time that we ever really need, like we needed that shotgun. We needed that shotgun because, I mean, a shotgun is not going to kill a bear outright, but it's going to make it hurt enough to make it go away, right? To make it not be interested in you as whatever it wanted to do. And so... And it's funny too because when you we were we weren't in tents exactly we were in prospectors tents they're like canvas huts, and a bear could just basically walk through that like you and I could walk through saran wrap or tissue paper, and so having the shotgun and knowing how to use it was really important and it was infinitely better to have the shotgun even if we'd never needed it than to be in a situation where a, a an aggressive bear is is in your campsite. It's the middle of the night. It just half killed the dog and actually had to put the dog out of its misery in the morning. It was quite unpleasant, of course, right? But what are you going to do? You can't can't fix that. So I'm a, I'm a big one for infinitely better to have it but not need it than need it but not have it. So I would make your preparations around community. I would make your preparations around a reasonable food in the basement. I would make your preparations around... Uh, being away from central cities, if at all possible. These are things, I think, that are fairly wise. I mean, when you've got uh, the, the sort of rich elites buying up islands and you've got, what, one of the founders of Google just got his, his citizenship in New Zealand because, of course, he's wealthy enough that he can just bypass all the rules, like Obama's 60th birthday party or John Kerry having his private jet flying around 13 times this last year or something. So when you have... Uh, the, the wealthy people basically bunkering down for whatever's coming and uh, all of that. It's, uh, yeah, it's important. All right. Hey, Steph, my Florida University just released a statement saying they expect everyone to wear a mask for the fall. They cannot mandate the mask policy because of DeSanti's effort. How would you handle inevitable confrontation from students slash faculty? I attend a law school where I expect 75% of the school to be wearing a mask come fall. Uh, well, um, I think that the, I mean, it's up to you whether you want to comply with a suggestion or not. It's up to you whether you want to comply with a suggestion or not. If it's not legally mandated, I'm not sure why you would do it. If you, again, I've heard so many different things about the masks, you know, like the masks don't stop the COVID any more than a, your underwear stops a fart or something like that. And you see people breathing out through their masks with smoke uh, from their cigarette and it's all kind of flying everywhere. I have no idea whether masks work or not. There's so much different information. And, and you know, the information, gosh, you know, you know what it's like, man, this information around COVID is so insanely polarized. So insanely, it, it is an absolute Kafkaesque clown show of trying to figure out what the heck to do. I know there are some people who have reached a level of certainty that, that I, as a natural skeptic, find very hard to get to. But this Jewish doctor, this this guy, he was at a rabbinical council, I think, uh, in, in Israel, and, and he was Trump's medical advisor and so on. And he's like, well, I've treated 6,000 COVID patients and it's the poison death shot. And, you know, he was going through all of the lists of, of how terrible it was and how bad things were going to be. And, and, you know, it's genocide and this and that and the other. And he's like, obviously, way more skilled in healthcare and, and trained in health, infinitely more skilled in healthcare and trained in healthcare than I am. 
And so you have people like this. Uh, he seems like a very legit doctor. He's um, putting his whole career and reputation on the line, predicting a disaster that is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the kind of disasters that were predicted as of December, January 2020 to 2021 have not materialized, at least not to, to the degree that some people predicted. So that's, you know, strike one for the safe and effective camp. On the other hand, there are reports that uh, there have been many more deaths than have been reported in the various database. But again, I don't know. I can't review the data. I, I don't know the, the facts. I don't know the sources. And so this so polarized, so polarized. So if to, to, to comply with something that is not mandated and not necessary is simply a mark of enslavement. It's just a mark of enslavement. That, that's, that's all it is, just a mark of enslavement. Now, but to comply with something that is positive but not mandated, it's like politeness, you know, the please and thank you. You can get through life without saying please and thank you. It's just you're kind of a jerk, right? You're just kind of a please and thank you are instituted to make sure that people know that you're not in a position of authority over them, right? So you have to say please and thank you because it's an egalitarian thing which says I can't order you around, but I can request things and I show appreciation and I'm not entitled and all of that. So for something like politeness, for something like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you've got to bathe three times a day. You want to be somewhere between Dwayne Johnson and Myla Kunis, right? So Dwayne Johnson bathes like three times a day. And Myla Kunis doesn't really bathe until there's some big problem, right? As far as I understand, it has something to do with him and Ashton Kutcher or their kids or whatever, right? So when it comes to bathing and using... I'm not a big one for antiperspirant. I find it really weird. And, and like, my body needs to sweat. Everybody's body needs to sweat. Look at that, right? Can you see? A little sweat. Yeah, a little sweat. Oh, tiny little bit. So it's like 30 degrees out today. So do you have to wear deodorant? Do you have to bathe? No, it's not illegal to do so. It's a general level of politeness and consideration for your fellow man and what they have to breathe and live with and all that, right? So do you have to bathe? No. Do you have to say please and thank you? No. But it's okay to do it. It's a nice thing to do. So with the mask and all of that, I personally, I can't stand the masks. Like I literally can't stand them. Um, Especially if I have my glasses on, as you know, it's just fog, fog, fog. And, and I really feel like I'm barely getting enough air. And then, you know, I kind of like a pearl diver. I come up and, and get some air like like some sperm whale that's been down battling a kraken for 40 minutes. So I got to come up and, and get some air. So uh, I try to stay away from the masks as much as possible with the caveat that I think that they have some utility just in terms of you not touching your face and all of that and, and maybe reducing the viral load if you have some illness or whatever. So And and where there are people who are freaking out, I don't mind wearing it, but I will try to limit my wearing of a mask. I, I won't go any place where I have to wear the mask for more than a few minutes. Like, I just won't go. Wherever, um, like, I, if I had to wear a mask at a movie theater, I won't go. I won't go if, I don't know, if I was at, where were they? I think they put mask mandates back in Disney or whatever. Now my daughter hates Disney or whatever. But if we went to, like, I wouldn't go. I just wouldn't go. If it's, like, if I got to go to a grocery store for, you know, 15 minutes to, to get some groceries, um, I'll I'll do it, right? Um, but I just, 
I, I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really just heartbroken and so sorry for the people who have to spend their day in masks. And I know most people, they say you get used to it and all that. I just, uh, maybe because I lived so long without one, but I just, I cannot get used to them. I cannot get used to them. So um, I don't, uh, I just, I will not go to places where I have to wear a mask for an extended period of time. Like I, I just have designed my life around, I just, I can't do it. I find it, um, it's such a quality of life issue. And again, massive sympathies for people who don't have that particular option. You know, I work from home, I can have wonderful conversations with lovely people such as yourself, but I just, um, I can't do it. So, I, I mean, obviously can't tell you what to do, but what I would say is that it is important to, um, uh, you know, research the science, figure things out, and try to uh, understand, of course, how other people, right, who don't have information that you might have, um, they're freaking out, right? They're freaking out. Let's see here. All right. Steph, you said in a previous live stream that you were kind of surprised how quickly or easily people are willing to give up their freedoms or liberties when it came to the virus. You of all people should not be surprised. This is exactly what happens during war, which you have greatly covered um i uh you know i i, I mean I, I suppose i am still a little bit uh surprised i i guess i'm a little bit surprised the the 180 that people have the the 180 that people have with regards to beliefs i still just I still find that bewildering. And that is a failure on my part. It's an absolute failure on my part. It's, it's, or maybe it's a success in trying to hang on to an optimism that I don't deserve. But I just can't get used to it. I mean, this goes all the way back to when I was in my business career. What is it? 30, 35 years ago, whatever. Where it came to light through the, I guess, the very old Drudge Report, which seems to have sold out quite a bit lately. But... It came out, the whole Monica Lewinsky story with Bill Clinton, right, came out. And I was, I was like, oh man, he's done. Like feminists are just going to tear him apart that he's the most powerful man in the world using a kid, like a 19, whatever, 19 or 21, however old she was, using a kid as, as his own personal geisha slash Kleenex box, you know, blowjobs and, and what did he insert a, cigar into his into her vagina while there was a phone call from King Jordan I can't remember the details but again the, the details were just and I was just like oh my god this is going to shatter people's sense of of anything uh, virtuous about the state this is going to just blow people's minds and the feminists are going to just rip this guy apart because I was always you know, an abuse of power and you, the boss can't even date his secretary it's a patriarch it's an abuse of power and here my god I mean Bill Clinton with Monica Lewinsky. And I, uh, th there have been a number of times, have you ever had this in your life? You could let me know, but there are a number of times in my life where I've just been waiting for the deluge, like waiting for whatever is going to happen to happen, like imp imminent something. Uh, where it's gonna, and you just wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. I had a little bit with Hillary, although I wasn't expecting too much from Hillary. But I just, I remember I was driving with a guy, I still remember his name, one of our salespeople, I was driving with a guy who listened to conservative radio and 
there was this ZOMG, look what just happened. I mean, this is the end of the Clinton, blah, 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 right? And it was pretty bad. Like the 12 justices of the Supreme Court didn't even show up for whatever his thing was, state of the nation or whatever, because uh, he committed perjury and, and all of that. So it was, uh, and, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. And that was just an absolutely huge, it was a huge moment for me. I could, again, I don't know, let me know if you've had something like that, where you're just like, this is gonna. This is gonna change everything. You ever you ever see this like uh, these websites or whatever? Like so and so just ripped someone apart and 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 savaged them, and this changes everything. And then nothing changes. And nothing changes. The embedded structures of power work around it. They heal around it. They you know all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, what is it? The um, Cuomo from New York, the guy who was just uh, found guilty of of sexual harassment. Somebody had a Thug Life picture of the guy like. Killing grannies, slapping fannies. <laughs> that's that's his life. And he's, you know, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. All the people who went nuts over Kavanaugh, they're not going to care about any of this stuff. So it is one of these things where I just wait for things to change. And then what happens is, and, and you know, maybe the bad people understand. I'm sure they do understand human nature. You know, those of us who are working to better things have to be almost incurable optimists. Uh, optimism has to almost be a cancer that overwhelms our pessimism. And it is almost for certain that the bad guys understand human nature almost infinitely better than we do because they get away with it. I mean, all the time, all the time. People just bow down and they uh, enforce horizontally. And you can see this. Like I've got seen, I've seen people like on social media saying, oh yeah, the people who don't want to get vaccinated should be forced to be vaccinated. They should be shot. They should be lined up in front of a ditch and said, you take the vaccine and we put a bullet in your head. Now, of course, that's massive incitement to violence, but nothing will happen to them, right? I tell honest facts about science and ethnicity and I get deplatformed, but people who are talking about mass genocide of the unvaccinated, totally fine. It's totally fine. So... And, and, you know, it, it has struck me, and it's, I think it's almost impossible to miss these days. It is, um, I mean, it's, it, it is all such a losing battle, right? I mean, now it's, it's like, well, maybe we can hold off this COVID tyranny a little. And it's like, well, we weren't even talking about a COVID tyranny two years ago, right? And it's all just like, it's such a retreat action. There's never any advance. There's ne- it's all just like slowing down the tsunami of, of statism. It's, it's all, all that's happening, all that's happening. And it's, it's really rough, you know, it's really rough to see. And it's one of the reasons I got off politics is that I'm not going to stand in front of a tsunami and think I can will it back. And there's just too many people who are owned. All right, somebody says, did you have COVID-19 to your knowledge? Somebody says, I had the cytokine storm, as did my brother, he is an MD, Gumweed leaf, not marijuana, tea and zinc helped me, got it twice, and this helped me get over it in two to three days each time. Yeah, that's the other thing too, you know, I mean, does ivermectin work? I was just reading something about how remdesivir doesn't seem to work that well. It could kill you, and it's 2400 bucks for five days or whatever. And other people are saying, you know, well, vitamin, vitamin D and, and zinc and, and uh, ivermectin and hydrochloroquine, and this is all going to be fine. And 
I don't know. And then other, you know, Joe Rogan was talking about how the um, the the, va- the vaccinations during the pandemic is just going to drive mutations, which is an argument I've heard from many places. And then the guy who wrote the paper said, oh, Joe Rogan has it totally wrong. But then I don't know how much pressure he might be under and, and who's, you know, there's now hundreds of billions of dollars at stake of profit and so on. So maybe that's... Um, Maybe that's pressure. Maybe that's not. I don't. I mean, I have no idea. I have no trust. You know, I mean, for me in particular, right? I mean, the media has lied about me consistently for like, I don't know, close to 15 years now. The media has just lied everything. I mean, everything the media says about me is just almost complete opposite of the truth. And so when they say, oh, it's safe and effective, I'm like, mm, well, what I know the most about, you've lied about enormously. So, and this is why people say, oh, vaccine hesitancy is like, well... The media doesn't have a lot of credibility, right? So, uh, but no, I I don't think I've had COVID nineteen at all. I mean, I know one person who got it, and he was in the hospital. I and and his wife was uh, asymptomatic. So, I don't know. Somebody says. Hey, Steph, thank you. In specific, for the superpower of neglect call-in, spoke to me very directly. Oh, boy, you got a problem with any kind of addiction? I did a call. It's actually a pretty short call a couple of days ago. Holy crap, did we ever get to the roots of addiction and blow it wide open? It was just amazing, right? I had a friend who had to kill a bear that charged him while he was hunting, said if he hadn't spent his entire life shooting and hunting, he wouldn't have been able to put it down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Steph, what happened to that show with the German guy entitled What a Battle? It was amazing, and I wanted to re-listen, but I couldn't find it on Locals. Yeah, I will, I will get it back. I wanted, wanted to clean it up a little bit more. Uh, let's see here. Oh, my. What do we have here? Let's see. Hallelujah. All right. Mm, hello, Steph from Finland. Love your shows. I'm 31 with three kids, seven, five, and one, and a fourth underway. And I have so much to thank you for making me a better father. Oh, thanks, man. So that's the best, right? That's the best. That's one thing that nobody will ever be able to take away from us is all of that. All right. Hey, thanks, Steph. You answered my question. Well, feel the same about antiperspirant. Yeah, isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? It's like um, something needs to breathe and you're just putting a cork in it. (laughs) And you got to sweat, right? Uh, Let's see here. I have this weird pressure from my grandfather for me and my wife to get the vaccine, even though my wife is carrying a fourth having very strong thalidomide vibes about vaccinating a pregnant woman with this experimental gene therapy. And I think that pressure is really on borderline murderous as he is over 70, no real consequences from taking the vaccine if it has bad effects that they discover later. Yeah, I mean, the people who are post-fertility, they are post-fertility. And uh, if it does turn out that there are fertility issues, then they didn't have nearly as much to lose, right? So, yeah, so what they've, they've turned, I mean, they've turned the vaccine... It's, it's it's brilliant marketing, right? Brilliant. I mean, you see this all the time in the mainstream media, like this radio show host mocked the vaccine and then died from it, you know? And, and this, you know, they had this some guy who like, oh, I don't want to get vaccinated. And he's got five kids, of which only three are his. And then he died. And you open that picture, the guy was obese and all that. So nobody's really talking about the 99.94% survival right now. There is a long COVID. And, and that is the case as far as I understand it with just about any viral infection, but uh, they've turned it into a purity test, right? Once you can get people to believe that you're selfish if you don't do something and you're kind and nice and thoughtful if you do something, right? Once they get that 
polarization goes, right? Once they get that polarization going, you are a nice, thoughtful person if you do this. And if you don't do it, then you are, you know, mean and selfish and, and right? Then, you know, just that social pressure for those people with a conscience becomes very, very strong. It's very hard to resist that. It's very hard to overcome that. And again, everybody's personal choice um, is, is there, but they've really put a slippery slope on, on that kind of stuff. And uh, now, of course, that they're making the claim, again, what the science is behind it, I don't trust. Uh, I don't, I mean, there's nobody, there's nobody, I don't know how you guys feel about this with regards to, there's nobody that I trust about, about this stuff. And, and the reason that there's nobody that I trust about this stuff is because of censorship. Censorship has cut, I don't just mean censorship of me, but censorship has just cut me loose of the necessary information that I need in order to be able to evaluate the right decision. That That's all. Like Because there has been such unbelievable levels of censorship about skepticism towards the vaccine, because there has been such unbelievable levels of censorship regarding alternative treatments or prophylactics, I, I've said I want to see, like I would sit down ringside for a, I would even wear a mask for this, like I would, I would sit down ringside for a 12-hour debate between all the relevant parties. That I want to see, I want to see Fauci, I want to see Rand, I want to see Tenpenny, I want to, like whoever is all over the place and, and people on such, I want to see them hashing it out. But you can't get any of that. You, you can't have that. There is no debate. And when there is no debate, I won't commit. Where there is no debate, I absolutely, completely, and totally will not commit. I will not commit to um, anti or pro anything. Where I, where a debate is shut down, it means that I don't have access to arguments and counterarguments so that I can navigate a complex situation. Does the government lie? Of course it does. Does the media lie? Of course it does. Are scientists trustworthy? No. The scientific method is trustworthy, but scientists themselves, no, they're human beings. And now they've all been owned by the state, right? So, yeah, doesn't doesn't work. Uh, sounds like that time Justin Trudeau was caught wearing blackface multiple times. Absolutely nothing happened as you predicted. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, the media, if, if they don't like you, they'll make stuff up and just keep hammering it until you get deplatformed. If they like you, they will mention it, they will tut-tut, and they will move on. And then when you don't want to move on, they say, look, we've already dealt with it. He already apologized. You've just got to move on. Uh, let's see here. Different topic. What sort of childhood creates a neckbeard man? Is it neglect, hence poor social skills, hygiene, and have such men always been around? Well, no. Good Lord. I mean, think about it from an evolutionary standpoint. Of course, such men have not always been around because... The neckbeard basement dweller guy, the well actually guy, the you know wojack with a um, pig pen stink around him, they wouldn't have made it biologically because they would have been rejected by females and those genes would not have continued. So there's no way that this is a new kind of outcrop of modernity. Like we we are in an unbelievably artificial environment with the state. Like we we are it's it's staggeringly. It's staggeringly artificial where we are, right? I mean, we have this complete fantasy of infinite resources. We have massive and often opposing cultures jammed inside by side, all voting for the civil war of the modern pressure state. 
And we have rampant pornography. Uh, we have uh, excess food. And, and this is the first time, of course, that, that the poorest people in society have been the fattest, right? That's uh, IQ and, and BMI have sort of inversely coordinated, uh, correlated. So we're in just this absolutely wild wildly artificial situation and I, I try to sort of keep things as natural as possible wherever possible we're also in the situation where you can get achievement without achievement right that that's uh you know i i unlocked an achievement in a video game it's like oh no, no the video games are fine i enjoy them from time to time but you have the sense of sexual activity without sex through pornography you have the sense of achievement without achievement through the uh, video game industry. And, you know, you, you can see people like like that guy who was all hyped up about the Star Wars release, you know, that this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited because other people are doing things, right? I'm excited because other people are doing things, right? And that's very strange to get dopamine without achievement, right? So dopamine is like our desire for sexual activity it drives us to date, to find someone who we are compatible with, who we can share virtues and, and life together and children, and, and then it becomes the bonding mechanism and so on. But, I mean, I've talked to a lot of listeners lately just addicted to pornography and, and, and can't get their lives going. It's the same thing with women. Like, so women can ride this the the dopamine of male attention of of men who want to date you who find you attractive who oh you're so beautiful you know whenever you post a you know, women post these um these compliment fishing compliments like oh uh, i'm having a bad hair day and they look fantastic and oh no you look beautiful and all of that or i feel like i put on some weight no you're wonderful so the pursuit of male attention that's foundational to youthful female sexuality or the willingness to or the desire to be uh, pursued by men that's really only supposed to last a year or two right i, I mean what is it i watched um the british version of uh, pride and prejudice and fantastically made by the way but i watched the british version the not the 90s one or uh, back then you could have an all-white cast it's only 20 years right 20 odd years so um Back then, women were considered old maids when they were 23. You know, like you've been on the dating market for five years and nobody's locked you down. You're uh, an old maid. And that was just the reality. So you were supposed to maybe get a year or two of that kind of high of male attention. But now you can just ride this wave forever. Well, not really forever, but, you know, 18 to 40, right? You got 22 years of riding something that's only supposed to I guess literally writing something that's only supposed to last for a year or two. That's that's all. It's all a year, a year or two max, maximum two years, probably only one, right? That all that male attention. You've got to choose someone because if you don't choose, if you wait to choose, then it's like musical chairs, right? If you if you wait to choose for a woman, then what happens, of course, is that the good ones are taken and and you have much less to pick with and, and all of that, right? Like much less to choose from. So you got to choose quickly. Six months, 12 months, if you wait, you know, you snooze, you lose, right? And so this totally artificial. And, and now not only can women milk it for 25 years or whatever, but then what happens, of course, is not only 
did you have to actually be around men? Now you can just get that bing, bing, bing from your phone of male attention, which gives women this dopamine. And it means that they get this short-term happiness or relief, in the, but there's no settling down, right? There's no choosing someone and sticking with it. You just always go into the next thing, the next thing. And they've done studies about how you know, Tinder and, and other apps just is wrecking people's ability to settle down and so on, right? But then, of course, by the time you really pay the, pay the price for it, right? By the time you really pay the price for it as a woman, you're past your fertility window and you're doomed, right? As far as loneliness, so. All right. So what sort of childhood, sorry, that was a bit of a, so we're in a very artificial situation. What sort of childhood creates a neckbeard man? Okay, so I'll tell you. Um, there's, there's two strong forces that need to intersect for the neckbeard man to have the most likelihood, it's not determinism, but to have the most likelihood of coming into, into being. So the first thing that needs to be there is neglect, right? So he needs to be neglected. Uh, I wrote about this in my novel, A Quarter Century, called The God of Atheists. You can get it at fdrurl.com forward slash T-G-O-A, fdrurl.com forward slash T-G-O-A. So The God of Atheists, I talked about how the generations kind of whittle down. So you have the single son of a single mother, right? So the grandparents, two people, the single mother, one person, the child is not going to have anyone because he grows up too weird as the single son of a single mother. And so it's like three, two, one, zero, right? And and that's it, right? So it's neglect is has to be there. And when you're a single mother, when you're a married, happily married woman, then your children are something that you share and and you bond with your partner over your children, right? You love, I love watching my my wife be a mom. She loves watching me be a dad, and we have our daughter in common. And so you you bond and get beautiful things out of having children. They they are a wonderful addition and really reason for your relationship, right? It's the only reason we have pair bonding. It's the only reason we have sexual attraction and sex organs is to make kids, right? That's that's what it's all for. So when you are happily married, your children are a massive plus to you and, and you treasure them as the reason for getting married and, and continuing your line. Like you don't die when you die, right? You die when the last person who remembered you forgets you or dies, right? And when you pass from human memory for most people, that's when you're dead, unless you create something that's read in the future or seen, I guess. So children are a massive positive for a happily married woman. For an unhappily married woman, children are a significant negative because at least one of those kids is going to remind that mom of the dad for sure. And also because she feels trapped and tied into a bad relationship because uh, a relationship because of the children. Now that's so that's negative so she has a repulsion towards the children. She has a hostility towards the children. And the more unconscious it is, the worse it is, right? So she's going to reject her children because she views her children as like a bear trap that's gone around her leg and, and is trapping her in an unhappy relationship. She can't leave because of the kids, blah, 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 right? However, all of that pales to the hostility that the single mother will often feel towards her children. And this is a very dark and under-discussed secret in modern society. But yeah, it wasn't just my mom, right? Uh, my mom at times hated us, like loathed us. And I didn't really take it personally because, I mean, actually 
pretty nice and likable person. So I, I, even as a kid, I didn't take it that personally. But the, the fact that I was there was an impediment towards her getting the kind of man that she wanted to get, right? Some, you know, the, the fantasy back then was some Aristotle Onassis, some uber-wealthy rock ab James Bond type or whatever it was, the Cary Grant, the whatever it is, Gary Cooper or whatever, uh, Steve McQueen. So for the single mom, children are not just a reminder of her greatest failure, her greatest failure. There's only two things that can happen with a single mom. Why does she end up as a, as a single mom? Again, not a widow. Widow is different. Widow is the, the husband dies. Single mom is when you choose to not be in the relationship with the father of your children. There's only two possibilities. Only two possibilities. Number one, number one, number one. You chose a bad man. Okay, that's really bad. So in the most important decision of your entire life, the most important decision of your entire life is who you have children with. That's the most important decision. In the most important decision, she completely screwed up. And in, and in a way that's unrecoverable and, and, you know, marks her for life and marks her children from life. And so for a single mom, either she chose a bad man or she chose a good man and drove him away. It's the only two possibilities. Nothing more complicated than that. Chose a bad man or chose a good man and drove him away. Now, every time you look at those kids, you have regret you self-attack, you get frustrated, you imagine some different life where without these kids, you'd be floating down Scarlett Johansson style, down a red carpet, people taking photos of you, people draping half a million dollar necklaces around your neck and, and you have this wonderful life and you're whatever, Greta Garbo, you're Audrey Hepburn without these, these kids that are in your way. Again, two bear traps, two kids, right? So you kind of hate your kids as a constant reminder of your bad decisions and as a barrier towards to you getting what you want, which is some alpha guy who's, you know, he, the guys will maybe dip down and they might have sex with the single moms, but there's just, they're not going to commit, right? And I mean, no man with any foundational self-respect and options and choices. Let me rephrase that because I, I hate making the absolute statements where the exception proves the rule. Very few men, of genuine opportunity and self-esteem will pour their resources into raising another man's child, right? Now, maybe you're a man who's infertile and, and okay, you know, good for you. I mean, raise some other man and kid. But if you are relatively young, relatively successful, relatively attractive, <clears throat> and you can have your own kids, and then you say, oh, no, I want to pour all of my resources into raising another man's children I mean, that's, sorry, that's just kind of pathetic. It is. Like, why can't you get a quality woman and have your own damn children, right? Plus, it's not great for the kids because the kids, you know, are forever going to say, no, you're not my real dad. You can't tell me what to do. And and I mean, it's just, and then you got to deal with some creepy ex-husband who, or ex-boyfriend who hates you being around his kids and it's going to cause trouble. And like, why can't you just find a quality woman who doesn't already have kids? And I know, Maybe it's different out there. I know it is different from when I was younger, but anyway. So it's not just the neglect. The neckbeards comes from the outright hostility, and the neckbeards are when a woman has either chosen a bad man to be the husband of her children or chosen a good man and driven him away by being crazy or evil or violent or whatever, right? So then she really doesn't like her children. Now, of course, and it's not all that she feels. I'm sure she loves her children at times. I'm sure she feels great sentimentality towards her children at times. 
but if you make a mistake big enough, you you can't adapt to it. Like if you make a mis- you make a big enough mistake, you can. If you have children with the wrong man, or you drive the right man away, that's such a giant mistake. You, you can't adapt to it. You have to just twist your brain up to justify it. You can't adapt to it. You can't fix it. Like whatever you can't fix, you're just going to have to adapt to. You just you just can't you can't fix it. You're going to have to adapt to it, right? So if you you know you twist your ankle, you walk on a crutches, and you go back to normal but if you know you do something stupid and lose your leg you you, you gotta just adapt to that you can't undo it you can't fix it you can't repair it so you just have to adapt to it it's the same thing when you make really really bad decisions so the neck beards come from the, the the manifestation of the of the unconscious loathing that a lot of single mothers or unhappily married women have towards their own children and particular towards their own sons with the women with the girls, it comes out in, in promiscuity, it comes out in, in eating disorders, it comes out in a variety of other things. But for the boys, it's, okay, my mom really doesn't like me, and that's really bad. I mean, it's a really, really bad thing, as, as you know, for kids. But that's sort of the one thing, is this undercurrent of neglect, the, the neglect that arises from the unconscious hostility. The other thing which I can deal with more quickly that, that contributes to joins forces to do the inverted Y of the the neck beard is he doesn't want his father's life <sighs> that's a big one man hey maybe the why if you want if you want your dad's life more or less doesn't have to not exactly right if you want your dad's life you are way ahead of the game if you want your dad's life you're way ahead of the game if you don't want your dad's life Right. Let's say that uh, the single mom dragged him through family court and he's depressed, living in a topaz under a bridge on a steady diet of government cheese or something like that. Okay, you don't want his life. You don't want your dad's life. So then you either don't care about being sexually attractive to women because being sexually attractive to women is a form of Russian roulette, right? With the V cannon blowing your head off. Actually, no, blowing your head off would be easier because at least it would be over soon. But you're going to, I mean, look at what's going on with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt like this. Well, they just had the judge replaced. This thing's been going on for half a decade. By the time they sort out their kids' arrangements, their kids will be elderly, for God's sakes, right? So, if you don't want what your, if you don't want your dad's life, you don't want your dad's life. Then why on earth would you bother trying to make yourself sexually attractive? You don't want your mom. You don't want anyone like your mom. You don't want to be anything like your dad. And look, I mean, I'm very smart, I'm very ambitious this way, and I was able to reinvent myself and change myself and change my circumstances and learn from other people's mistakes and become a great parent because I was raised by terrible parents. But that's, you know, I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, Freddie Mercury says, hey man, just use your falsetto the way that I do. And it's like, well, no, I can't, right? It's the reason why David Bowie backed out of doing backup vocals for a cool cat, because he probably sounded like a bleating cat next to Freddie Mercury's angelic falsetto, right? Look up the song Cool Cat, by the way. It was incredible falsetto. Anyway, so if you just kind of have this natural ability, you don't want to mistake that for everyone. So if you don't want your dad's life and your mom has a significant amount of unconscious hostility towards you that manifests in neglect, then why would you bother climbing this big, giant, slippery, dangerous mountain of becoming attractive and dating and getting married when it could literally destroy your life. What would be the point of self-care? What would be the point? It would be like, imagine some guy, he's, he's like, he's on death row 
and he's got his last meal, $15 maximum, right? You, he's, he's on his last meal, and would he brush his teeth afterwards? Would, would he floss? Would he sit there and say, oh, no, no, <laughs> no dessert, I'm watching my weight, right? He wouldn't. Why? Because he's just about to die. So when you don't feel like you have much of a future, self-care is kind of pointless, right? There was some comedian long ago who sort of pointed out, you know, like they, they put the alcohol swab on the arm because, you know, you wouldn't want to get an infection when they're injecting you with some deadly poison, right? So when you don't feel like you have a future or, to put it another way, when you have, when your only real possibility of a future is something you desperately don't want, then why would you bother with self-care? You don't floss on your last meal and you don't shave when you have no intention of getting a uh, wife and being a dad, right? So let's see here. Uh, somebody says, hello, Stefan, greetings from Cape Verde, small 10 West African islands. Well, very nice to meet you. Thank you very much. I've been listening to you for a while. I'm 33 now and will be eternally grateful for what I have learned from you. Well, that's very kind. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right. Let's see. I keep moving this. Let's see. Thank you for these absolutely fantastic questions. Appreciate it. Just brilliant. Gonna move on up to the waterfront. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who was that doctor you used to interview? Oh, yeah, Dr. Cottrell. C-O-T-R-E-L-L, Dr. Cottrell. Uh, not doctor, medical doctor, but uh, how am I tonight? I'm very well, thank you. Um, what explains your French-sounding name if your heritage is English slash German? Well, to be technical, uh, I grew up in England, but my heritage is Irish slash German. My family came over with William the Conqueror in 1066, Battle of Hastings, did pretty well, I guess killed a lot of peasants, and we were given uh, land in Ireland, I believe, as a results, and there's a whole Molyneux society. So originally we were Normans, uh, came over in the conquests, and for, I guess, close to a thousand years. Well, for a long time, uh, for a long time, uh, we were in Ireland. I had a grandfather who, uh, as far as I understand it, uh, got heavily into the source and kind of drank and sold the land away and, and all of that. And my father was like, we have to restore the family honor. So clearly um, Wikipedia heard that and, and granted our wish. So... So, yeah. Uh, why do the bit-shoot trolls call you Molly-Jew? Molly-Jew. Well, they're not bit-shoot trolls. I assume that they're just leftists who are trying to make bit-shoot look bad in a deplatforming thing. So, the Molly-Jew thing, I'll just touch on this briefly. I've mentioned it before. So, uh, many, oh gosh, many years ago, like 15 years ago, I mentioned in a podcast that my grandmother was Jewish. And, I, you know, as far as I understood it, that made me Jewish to some degree because uh, it's matrilineal. But I was raised as a Christian. Uh, I've never... I don't think I've ever even been inside a synagogue. And then I, I, I looked into it in more detail and uh, got, did some more research and found out. And this actually did fit with my childhood memories and, of course, other things that I talked about because I talked about my grandmother dying uh, in the bombing of Dresden in 1944. And it was a stepmother who was Jewish. A, a, sorry, a step-grandmother who was a Jewish. So it was, of course, someone my grand father married but who did not give him children so the woman that my grandfather had my mother with was not Jewish so when I talked about my grandmother being Jewish uh, it was not a a genetic uh, grandmother and so anyway I clarified that later on but now everybody thinks I'm a 
what is it? A crypto Jew, something like that. I'm not, I'm a crypto investor. So, <laughs> all right, let's see here. Uh, hey, Steph, saw Andy know social media and saw that Antifa were openly attacking peaceful evangel evangelicals in Portland and police did nothing and no mainstream coverage. I'm getting progressively black-pilled. Are you at the same place? Um, I'm, I'm on the void pill. I'm past the black pill. I'm on the void pill, which is... Uh, so the void pill is you... You know, you, you're born in a prison and you spend... 20 years tunneling and burrowing and manipulating your way out of prison and then you get out into the world outside the prison and it's just another prison. And so then you say, oh my God, okay, so I just broke out from one prison into another prison. That's not good. Oh, well, I've got these skills. And then you spend another 10 years burrowing out of that prison and you just get into another prison and it's another prison and it's another prison and it's another prison. And eventually, when do you just say, okay, I guess I have to learn to live in a prison? Because there's no place I can go that isn't a fucking prison. And uh, that's, you know, that's sort of where I am. I, I was just thinking about this today. Um, I listened to some music that, oh gosh, oh, I, what can I, it was um, the ELO album. Um, my brother was very much into ELO. The music is reversible, but time is not. Turn back, turn back. And so... Jeff Lynn, singer and songwriter, I think, for ELO. And he put the, he put the, uh, out of the blue, ELO, electric, out of the blue, I think it's the one, the double album that looks like a giant spaceship. He put that album on heavy rotation. And so you get these visceral songs that wind themselves into the very musculature of your childhood. And, you know, he loved Wild West Hero. I liked the one about the jungle. And, and anyway, so turn, turn to stone was on the playlist and I just I just sat, I remember you know and I felt quite emotional about it I remember just being in my room you know maybe writing a Dungeons and Dragons module or, or working on my character sheets and aging them by pouring coffee on them or whatever and I just remember thinking oh I can't wait till I get bigger and I get out of this nut house oh my god I can't wait till I get bigger and I get out of this nut house and you know here I am 40 years post that thought in a nuthouse that is closing, right? It's closing in, right? We can all feel this, right? It's closing in. So yeah, it's a void pill. Black is still a solid substance. It's a black hole pill. All right. Let's see here. At 25, eight years after high school, I feel like a bit of a failure and stuck in life. How do I get to a more positive mindset that will be useful in finding my passion and working towards the life I want as opposed to ways being hard on myself? Okay, so my friend, uh, you ready for some tough love? You ready for some tough love? You ready for some tough love? Okay, so when, and I've done this for a long time, doesn't mean I'm right doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just telling you that I have experience, if that counts for you or not. So there's almost nothing more soul-sucking in this or any other plane of existence. There's almost nothing in this planet more soul-sucking than somebody saying, I have no motivation. I don't know what to do with my life. I feel like a failure. I don't know what to do. I don't have any hobbies. Uh, I, I don't have any energy or, or motivation to do anything or whatever, right? Um because you know what happens, right? And and I actually fell into this trap. And I was just thinking about this this morning. It's kind of coincidence, right? I just I fell into this trap 
with uh, somebody in a call the other day. Um, I don't think it's out yet, but... Oh, no, it is out. It's the one that was mentioned earlier about... Um, oh, it'll come to me. It really will. I, f I, feel, I feel it imminent, imminently coming to me. Oh, yeah, um, the superpower of being neglected, right? And what happens is people say this kind of stuff to others. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm so unmotivated. I don't have any particular goals or ambitious. And, and you know, then what happens is other people say, oh, well, what about this? Or what about that? And like, no, I tried that. Or I didn't really like that. Or I'm, I don't have any interest in that. And what happens is you end up spreading this paralytic, soul-numbing venom, in a sense, towards other people. Now, one thing you need to understand about yourself is... You have inherited every single biological imperative that got us to the top of the fucking food chain, okay? You have inherited every piece of energy and goal and purpose and verve and energy and purpose, he repeated himself. You have inherited every driving force that got us to the very top of the food chain. Now, if you feel unmotivated, that's because... The people around you desperately need you to fail, to waste your life, to do nothing. You're probably surrounded by failures. You're probably surrounded by people to whom any sense or any kind of achievement is an insult to their pathetic little lives, right? You're probably in a bunch of people who are shifting backwards from the vague thumbprints at the back of a Degas painting, right? I mean, just, you know, the regatta and there's a bunch of blurred people in the very back there, right? So there's, no, there's nothing wrong with you as a human being other than you are at the moment killing any desire you have for anything in compliance with the people around you. And so what happens, and they want to spread that to everyone around you. So what happens is if there are people around you who have energy and purpose and piss and vinegar, and, you know, they, they get up in the morning looking to, uh, you know, kick ass and take names. Then what happens is you will engage them on behalf of the losers around you who don't want you to succeed. And you'll say, oh, I'm not motivated. I don't really know what I want to do with my life, blah, blah, blah. And then what will happen is they'll, you know, people will jump in and say, oh, how about this? Or how about that? Try this, try that. And you'll just cock block them everything, everything. And it's not your fault. It's just an unconscious thing, right? Because the people who want you to fail, who are failures themselves, desperately need nobody with any energy to be around you. Nobody with any purpose or, or passion to be around you. And so what you do is you put yourself in this listless way forward, like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And you invite people, in a sense, to come in and, and help you. But then what happens is, and I guarantee you this has happened countless times, you will end up draining the very lifeblood out of them and they'll just have to, they have to get out. Like, it's just quicksand. Like, they have to get out. They have to get away. Because, you know, energy, motivation, enthusiasm, you know, they're kind of fragile things in the world, right? They're kind of fragile things. And if you are uh, that kind of person who's just going to um, drain away the energy and focus of other people, you become a massive liability to be around, and they can't afford you. Like, they can't, they can't, they can't afford you. So... That's really, really important to understand that you are simply sleepwalking away through other people's demand that you fail so as not to offend or upset them, 
for their failures, right? People who failed in life absolutely and completely and totally need to be committed to the delusion, the destructive acidic delusion that nobody can succeed. Everything's in a loop. Like nobody, nobody, at least nobody they know, nobody in their circle, nobody in their place, right, can, can succeed. So I am not going to get involved in a conversation about how you find your passion because I can't. It's impossible. I can't do that. I won't do it. What I will do is suggest that you look at all the people who are chaining you down, all the people who is going to be threatened if you succeed. Who is going to be threatened if you succeed? I am by far the most successful person in my entire circle growing up. Like, it's not even close. Um, how, how many of them have called me up to say, well, I'm really happy. You know, I mean, the lies or whatever, who cares, right? But in terms of like positive impact on the world uh, or just impact on the world, massively successful. Now, the people who I grew up with, they're not happy about that, right? They're not because they did this learned helplessness thing. Life is too hard. Uh, nobody cares. People, they got really cynical and they didn't achieve anything. So they're not happy that I succeeded. Of course not. And because they're not happy that I succeeded, I couldn't succeed with them around. And I'm sorry, like I won't uh, piss on my own fire just because other people have dissolved themselves into stupid storm clouds, right? Or not even storm clouds, just nonsense, right? So, all right. <sighs> okay. Uh... Steph, you have said that the time for arguments has not passed, yet you have abandoned politics altogether. This may not be the time to bring this up, but are you going to turn a meme into reality and say the time for arguments has passed? You are aware that there's more than one argument to be made in the world and more than one sphere in which to make those arguments, right? All right. Uh, can you further explain in-group preferences and why do so many white women mate with men of color? It's not actually that common. I mean, I think it's still in the single digits. Um, well, I mean, I suppose, um, I mean, maybe they find them attractive, of course. Uh, there's a lot of propaganda about multiracial relationships far out uh, in excess of the number of actual multiracial relationships. And of course, I don't care who people marry, but, um, and, and also, of course, it could be that there's a dating strategy, you know, maybe some black guy asks a white woman out or an Asian woman, and she says no. And he says, oh, are you racist? You, you say no because you're racist? She's like, oh, I don't want to be racist, so I'll go out. Then maybe it's just a dating strategy. I don't know. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, the YNNs, I've, right. Uh, other, other examples in history or literature of someone truly recognizing irreparable harm they have done, not adapting, no excuses. Do such things always end in suicide? Well, they either end up in spiritual or physical suicide or, or what I think Feingold used to call soul murder, right? Where you just, you just destroy the lives of other people. Uh, some people become so negative that they can't exist as a zero, as in being dead. They have to exist as a negative in that they have to actively harm people as well. So, uh, I want my dad's life... I want my dad's life he could have had if he didn't squander it and make terrible choices. I even got into the same field he did. Well, nothing has more effect on a person's life than the unlived life of the parents, right? All right. 
My stepmother is somewhere on the road of recognizing the harm she has done to us children, and she is dying from it. Neither my brother nor I think that she will be getting old. Yeah, there is the slow suicide of sorrow, un- unmet sorrow and regret, right? So. Uh, does Peter Schiff just not get Bitcoin? He has always well thought out arguments on many economic events, but is always dumping on Bitcoin. Well, you know, I don't want to speak for Peter. I don't know. I mean, I had a debate with him many years ago on Bitcoin versus gold. And Peter, and this is not specific to Peter, and I like Peter, as you know, but in general, the the gold bugs uh, have the rather significant problem of they've dumped on Bitcoin forever, and Bitcoin has gone through the roof. I mean, it's gone up, what, tenfold in the last year? I mean, that's insane. Like, that's insane. And so... When you have, when you're a financial advisor and your ego is invested into being right about financial trends and all of that, and then you don't get the value increase of Bitcoin. Now, here's the thing. You can believe that Bitcoin is worthless. You can believe that Bitcoin has no future and you can still invest in Bitcoin, right? You can still invest in Bitcoin. I mean, there are some people who believe the US dollar has no future. That doesn't mean that they'll never buy bonds or anything or US dollar backed securities or base securities. So the gold bugs, if you look at the sort of 400% return on investment per year that Bitcoin has represented over the past decade, you could have, if you were really into gold and you had successfully predicted Bitcoin, you would have said to people, sell your gold, buy Bitcoin, and then sell Bitcoin and buy your gold back. And you would end up with that much more gold than if you just bought gold. Right? You, you would end up with, I don't know, a thousand times more gold by selling gold, buying Bitcoin early on, and then you could sell Bitcoin now, buy your gold back, you'd end up with way more gold than if you'd simply bought gold and invested your profits from gold, which haven't been that much, right? And of course, one of the reasons why gold hasn't gone up is because Bitcoin is going up and it's a zero-sum game for like you invest in Bitcoin, you're not investing in gold, at least that dollar or whatever. So it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. And are they going to, are the gold bugs, and again, it's not specific to Peter, and I, I can't speak for him, obviously, but are the gold bugs going to say, yeah, we were kind of wrong about Bitcoin. Like, it is being valued. And of course, if you're an Austrian economics scholar, you know that value is subjective. So saying, well, but Bitcoin doesn't have any objective value. It's like jewelry doesn't have any objective value. I mean, you don't make industrial components out of it. So what is that? What does that mean? I mean, there is no such thing as objective value. It's what people value. That's what drives value. There's nothing objective about any of it. What is the value of a cup of water? Well, if you've just drunk 10 cups of water, it's zero. And if you're dying in the desert, it's everything you own in one kidney, right? So the idea that, well, it doesn't have any dual use, it doesn't have any objective value, it's like that's very much against the value is subjective essence of Austrian economics. It's one of the reasons why you need the, um, the free market, because there's no central bureaucrat who can say what value is. So if a Bitcoin has been the biggest investment opportunity in human history so far, maybe it all goes to zero tomorrow, I don't think so, right? But, and by the way, Bitcoin is behaving exactly as I predicted, exactly as I predicted, um, not just weeks ago, but months ago, just it's going to be stepping up. They'll let it cook around a particular value for a while. Then they'll edge it up, let it cook around in that value for a while, let it edge it up so they can get into the low-risk portfolios. But Bitcoin, so far, so far, Bitcoin has been the biggest and quickest to a trillion dollars investment opportunity in human history. 
So for all of the financial advisors, what are they going to say now? Are they going to say, oh, sorry, we missed the biggest investment opportunity in human history? And again, even if it all goes to zero tomorrow, you could have at least invested for the last 10 years and made a trillion percent or whatever it is, right? So I don't, again, I don't, again, I like, well, all caveats. I like Peter, we disagree on Bitcoin, but if I'd have said to all my listeners, and I never say, there's no financial advice in anything that I say. Don't buy or sell anything based on anything that I say. But let's say I was a financial advisor and I had said to all of my listeners that Bitcoin will not go, in value, go up in value. Bitcoin will go to zero and you should buy gold. And then gold barely did anything and Bitcoin went through the roof. At some point, are you going to be able to admit that your predictions were incorrect? Because again, even if... The, the gold bugs are entirely correct and Bitcoin is going to go to zero. It's still massively valuable at the moment. And you could have got in early, made a huge amount of money, and then put it all back into gold and end up with like a billion times more gold than if you just held in gold. So anyway. Hey, Steph, what's up with your parenting book? Well, not the page count at the moment, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's, it's slow, I'm afraid. How can, I, how can you identify those who want us to fail? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> that, that's dead simple. If you want to know who's invested in your failure, and I did this right at the beginning of this show, and I've done it before. If you want to know, very easily, people who are invested in your failure, tell them something you're enthusiastic about and see what their response is. And then see what your emotional response is. If you tell someone something you're enthusiastic about and you end up more enthusiastic after telling them, they're invested in your success. If you end up feeling less enthusiastic after you talk to them, they're invested in your failure. Boom, done. Easy peasy, nice and easy. Is this live from the Free Domain Champagne Room? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, would my success as an atheist threaten my parents who are basically fanatic Christians and blind themselves to reality with their religion? Well, you can look at it as atheist versus Christian, sorry, but I would look at it as if I exercise critical reasoning skills and it harms those who are dogmatic, yes, it would. But again, it may not be religion in particular, if that, if that makes sense. Uh, let's see here. Uh, my white British sister once dated an Indian guy and felt so progressive and virtuous for it, the relationship eventually ended because his Indian family, all living in the UK, by the way, wanted him to marry another Indian. She was heartbroken for a long time afterwards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Bitcoin was 1200 bucks this time last year, right? And now it's for 56,000 Canadian, right? I mean, it's, come on. I mean, come on. Come on. What is that, 40x? I don't know. What, like, come on. I mean, like, if you're into investment and you didn't see any of this, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I have no idea what to tell you. I, 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 hey, I mean, I, most times I hate being right, but with Bitcoin, I'm happy to be right. What do, you, what do you think about adults spending lots of time and money on costumes for a comic, comic book convention? So this comes because they are unwilling to admit that they had very unhappy childhoods. And so they hope that if they continue their childhood, they can turn it all around. But all they're doing, since it's a scar from the unhappy childhood, is affirming that they have had an unhappy childhood. So, While you said you have given up on politics, can you say what you would think when the current president starts another war to appease the very slanted contributions to military contractors he received? I mean, it's back to business as usual, right? And the women who voted for Biden may end up getting drafted, in which case, 
you know, I'm not happy that it happens, but I, I am no longer interested in standing between people and their own shitty decisions. I'm no longer interested in standing between people and their own shitty decisions. If they won't learn from reason, and I spent 40 years working to teach them from reason and reached, you know, 800 million people and so on. If people just want to keep ignoring facts, reality, truth, reason, evidence, and virtue, then I have no longer any interest whatsoever in owning or feeling bad about anything to do with this. So um, if people who voted for another war, yeah, then, you know, it's invade everyone, invite everyone, right? You go and invade the world, invite everyone to come and live in your country. So, yeah, people are going to get blown up in terrorist attacks, which are retributions for the wars. But you had a president who didn't start a war. Trump, for all of his faults, terrible at delegating. He'd rather do executive orders than do the messy business of actually getting a law passed. But all the people who, you know, Trump didn't start wars. Now Biden probably going to start wars. Although I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that he will, honestly. I'm not sure that he will. Because wars are often used to get more power, from the, for the state to get more power, right? Why do they need a war? They already have COVID, which, which they can get more power. So I don't know, may not be the case. Uh, how did you and your wife decide who would be the stay-at-home parent? Uh, it's not our decision. It's the decision made by nature that the child needs to breastfeed. So I, I'm all taps, no plumbing, I can't do it. Steph, I-32, am currently catching up on a lot of growing up through talks with my father. He was unempathetic and emotionally, essentially absent for all my life. This process is extremely important to me because I won't be able to succeed until I have gained that freedom of being an adult. I still feel very much like an infant in many ways. Well, don't put your success or your possibility of success, uh, don't put that on how your father reacts to whatever it is that you're talking about. Don't, don't do that, please, please. Never put anything to do with your success in the hands of another person's choices. Never, ever, ever, ever put anything to do with your success in the hands of another person's choices. The only thing you can control is how honest you're going to be in your conversations with your father. You have no control over how he's going to react in any way, shape, or form. Once you've satisfied your own integrity, your own honesty, then how your father reacts has nothing to do with whether you're free or not. You're free based upon your own integrity, not other people's responses if that makes sense. Uh, da, 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 da. I find that studying how movies are made spoils the movies. Oh, sorry, what's that? Uh, and analyzing my motives in what I say and do can take the enjoyment out of life. Does that make sense? Oh, so you believe that emotions are just spontaneous things that we have to just ride out and the moment you try and analyze them, um, it takes the enjoyment out of life. Again, everyone thinks that they're an individual until you achieve real self-knowledge and you realize that half of you is enslaved to the illusions of others. So I would imagine that you, as a listener to this show, probably quite enjoy learning things about yourself and learning things about life. But I bet you, bet you, bet you there are people in your life, my friend. There are people in your life who will be very unhappy if you figure out what's going on deep down. And they're the ones who are putting the kibosh on that. All right. Uh, parenting question. During the call-in show, what have we got left? Six minutes. During the call-in show recently with the arguing couple, you said something to the effect of children scan for exceptions to rules. That some people don't even have rules brought up to them if they act crazy. 
So how should I, as someone who wants to have multiple children, explain to them that their baby sibling's behavior isn't acceptable for them and myself to use, but it's fine for the baby? Um, I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm not allowed to pee on people, but babies are, because babies don't have any free will. They don't have any particular choice. They're just instinctive beings of need, and they're the potential of reason, not the actualization of reason. So your kids aren't allowed to drive, but you are because you're old enough to understand that you're, you know, you're driving a 7,000-pound bomb of a weapon at massively high speeds. What drives me nuts about people who drive badly is like you're, you're on a rocket that could kill people at every moment and there you are texting. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, guess what? You know, you get privileges as you get older. Do you have to shave when you're a kid? No. Do you have to shave when you're an adult male or female, I guess, for that matter? Yeah, you do. You don't have to pay taxes as a kid. You got to pay taxes as an adult. You know, you, you can't live on your own as a kid. You can live on... So, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but... All right. If global economies were to crash, would there be any advantage to trade or barter in precious physical metals, and how would that work? You can't eat gold or silver, and the metals don't keep you warm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, people will find a way. People will find a way to survive for sure. Uh, let's see here. Have you ever felt resentment towards people for their apathy and hostility for the truth and morality, like Socrates telling people to obey the state? Yeah, I, I do feel resentment, but I'm peculiarly driven by. Consistency, integrity, universality, and virtue. I'm con- that's my drive. That's my drive. Other people aren't really. And they think that they can get away with it. Like I may be excessively driven to exercise and eat well, and other people don't exercise and get fat. And then they're like, oh, my joints hurt. And it's like, well, yeah, I-, I told you you should exercise and eat, but maybe it wasn't a big thing for you and so on, right? So um, I, again, I'm just not into, you know, it's like people, like let's say the welfare state ends, right? And then people are like, well, how am I going to feed my kids? Or let's say somebody wants to end the welfare. How am I going to feed my kids? It's like, I'm not going to care more about your kids than you do. I mean, if you didn't set up a place where you've got a husband to provide or or you've got a job or you've got savings or you invested in Bitcoin or whatever it is, if you didn't care about your kids enough to understand that the current society and the current debt-based nonsense is going to end, don't ask me to care for your kids more than you do. Because otherwise, they're just hostages used to control me. And I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. Uh, it is impossible to keep this up forever and everything that is happening, the coincidental withdrawal date, I get the feeling America is in for another round of historical repetition. Yes, that uh, seems to be the case. So is Alex Jones talking about martial law buried somewhere in the infrastructure bill? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, there are people looking to expand the power of the state, as they always are, and, you know, maybe this time we'll learn. I think we will. I hope we will. But uh, it's not going to be an easy, an easy lesson at all. All right. Let's get out of here early. Thank you so much, of course, to you guys for being on this platform, for supporting, for listening, for uh, enjoying all the fruits that philosophy can bring you to offer, uh, and uh, in particular for the donors on this platform. I hugely, hugely appreciate it, man. That was a, uh, a hell of a blow to, to lose everything over the last uh, year and three quarters, but uh, um, it's... Uh, it's good to be still with you, and it's good to be still chatting. So um, thanks so much. Uh, I will close this down now, and uh, I appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who are just watching this elsewhere, it's freedomain.locals.com, freedomain.locals.com. Totally, totally free. You can support me if you want, and don't think I'm not grateful for it. I certainly am, and uh, lots of love from up here. Stay safe. 
Stay frosty. Stay void-pilled. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.